Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. And diving in uh, to the book of Revelation. Like I said, we come, we'll be in chapter 2, Revelation verses 8 through 11 um, this morning. We're just looking at this idea, are we ready? Jesus in the New Testament, whether the Olivet Discourse that we begin with in Matthew 24, and then on into the book of Revelation, the overarching things, Jesus says, I've told you these things, church, ahead of time, that you might be ready, that you might be ready. And so we need to take seriously this, this idea of being ready. And that's why we're diving in um, to the Word uh, this morning. So, uh, let me just pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, Father, I've just, it's often this way, I have so much um, that I want to say, Lord. Um, But Holy Spirit just asks you to come. And um, we trust you've been here in the midst of our worship. I pray you come now, Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Let us heed that, Lord, deeply this morning. Um, Come. You know where every one of us is at. You know our hearts. You know the deepest intentions of our heart and our mind. Come, Lord, and be with us. Bring conviction. Bring encouragement. Bring insight. Bring joy. Lord, set our hearts on fire. Lord, for your word. And to be with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I have one thing I want to to leave you with. Um, There's going to be many, but it's going to be one statement this morning um, that I'm going to break down for us this morning. Because if we don't understand this statement, we're not going to understand this letter to the church in Smyrna. And here's the statement. God has a greater purpose in your life, in our life, than our comfort. God has a greater purpose in our life than our comfort. If I do not let that sink in, um, I'm not ready for discipleship. I mean, in fact, I don't even know what discipleship is. If I'm not willing to really wrestle deeply with this, then I, I'm not going to really even understand who God is and understand the greatness of what He has for me. Um, God has a greater purpose in our life than our comfort. And you might first look at that. So I just want to check our soul because... As I looked at that first, we could go two ways. One, we can kind of go, oh. Well, that's a real bummer. Or the other route is, what's the greater stuff? What's the greater stuff? And the bottom line here is that in America, folks, I believe what's happened is that we have got sidetracked on this thing, and we have a uh And the whole context, and I believe what God is doing in a powerful way today um, in His church, especially here in America, is that He is is He's having us readdress this issue, and having us really readdress the issue of why. What is it that we really want and desire? And folks, I I just throw this simple, and I just what I did to myself uh, this week is: What do you pray about? The things on my prayer list determine how. I'm answering that question. Is the majority of stuff I'm praying for others and for myself, is it really tied to my comfort and things in this world? Or is it the greater stuff? What did Jesus simply say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. What is the other things in the context? 
food, clothing, all the comforts of the world. Now, folks, what I want to, to jolt us with and lift us up to the greater things this morning is, is do you realize the greater things that God has for you? He saves us into this greater level of not being of the world, right? being in it but not of it, realizing that there's the kingdom of God has been ushered in by Jesus and he desires to keep people to walk in his purposes among his kingdom and uh, for his righteousness, this idea that he wants to do something inside you. He wants to make you become something for all eternity, far beyond what you'd ever, ever imagine. And you might say, well, man, I'm really struggling. I've got all this mess and all this junk in the past. Regardless, no matter what the mess is, the gospel, the good news, the greater things is God takes those things and he wants to make you all things new. And he wants to radically change. And folks, again, think about this. How much do we focus today on what I'm becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? What's happening inside your core character, in your soul? Where is that discussion today in our culture? You won't get it in the culture. Right? The culture, the world has a clear pattern and pressure of where it's going. Jesus comes to make all things new, to renew us from the inside, to make us like him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know that he has for you glory unto glory? To become like him. One day the scripture says we'll be like him. And where is that? Isn't it more important, ultimately, when we parent our children or anything, isn't it more important to talk about the in, what's going on on the inside than on the outside? But that's not, isn't it? That's not how our culture lives. It's not how much of the church lives. How much time we focus on the outside things. Even for our children, the things we talk about, we get excited about our children doing these things on the outside. Wow, what college they're in, or what degree they're doing, or this, or sport they're doing. Hey, all that's just fine and dandy, but what's going on the inside? What's happening to their character? Is God alive and well? Right? These are the greater things. Jesus comes and he has abundant life. He offers it. He says, I've come to give, bring life and bring it abundantly. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That means there's a battle. That means there's a war for your soul and your allegiance. The enemy wants you to be absorbed, wants me to be absorbed in, in my comfort, in the things of this world, the things that I want and, and look at and, and need and just get wrapped up. In, and this is hard, isn't it, gang? It's hard to just take the time to get our eyes and thoughts off the stuff of the world. It's hard. And over and over again in the scripture, right? Colossians 3, 1, right? says, if you've been raised up with Christ, in other words, if you know him, if you know the power of the gospel, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what does he say? Set your mind on the things above, where he's seated at the right hand of God, not on the things on earth. Over and over again. Well, how do you do that? It's hard, isn't it? And um, here's the, the harsh reality. There's only one thing that jolts us out of the comforts of the world. You know what it is? The cross. The cross. Suffering. Suffering. And uh, because God allows suffering of his children... And what we're going to read here about the, his letter to the church of Smyrna is you will not, it, it's going to be shocking, and we're going to break it down, and you will not understand it unless you understand this principle that God has a greater commitment, a greater purpose for his family, for his children, for his church, than our comfort. And I'm going to add another word. He has a greater purpose in our life than our safety. 
Now, someone, if you've read The Coddling of the American Mind, you know that this new terminology is safetyism. We're all about, think about how much time you hear people talking about, oh, it's a safe environment. Oh, this is safe. This is safe. Corporations spend all their time, we have a safe product. We have safe and safety. Safety. Where do you think it's coming from? From a fear of dying. It, is, it has us affected more than we'd ever realized. God is more concerned about something far greater than your safety. We're going to see this. Far greater. And until we get that, we're not going to understand what the scripture says, that there's something worth more than gold that fades away. It's your faith. So Peter says, your faith, our faith, is worth more than all the gold of the world, yet it has to be refined in the fire so that it's shown to be true. Now why does God allow his people to go through trials and pains? To show the reality, the truth of our faith. Suffering and trials reveals real quick the state of faith. It recurls real quick. It reveals who truly follows him and who doesn't. And that's exactly, there's two things. One to refine us. The other one is to show truly who his children are. And um, folks, I'm just going to say it, but right now God is, and I want to talk about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan as well because... I want to just say, and we need to be praying for them, but you know what? They're praying for us. And something I'm going to read here is going to shock you because this letter to Smyrna is really to the church in Afghanistan today. It's about as clear as it can be. We, on the other hand, we're going to get to the church in Laodicea. That's where we're at. And we are the ones that need them to be praying for us. We think, oh my gosh, you're suffering. Oh my gosh, you might lose your life. Oh my gosh. Listen to what Jesus has to say to the church in Smyrna. This is one of two churches of the seven letters that he commends the entire time. He doesn't rebuke them on anything. He shows them dear to his heart. Um, and, and, and before I read it, I just want to say this today. Remember, these seven letters are Jesus' message to his church throughout all time. Seven is the perfect number. It's the complete number. And this is what to get ready as such, we should be listening as every one of these ends with, he who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, plural. Do we have ears to hear what Jesus is saying? These are applicable, they were back then, to the seven legitimate churches. Smyrna is, um, actually this is really cool, Smyrna is just, uh, today it's modern day Izmir, right on the coast in Turkey. Um, It was known as the most beautiful city in Asia. Uh, it's the only, and this is, this is one of the greatest churches of the seven that suffered the greatest. Now this is interesting. It's the only of the seven where there's an existing church today. I want that to sink in. All right, here we go. The word of God. And to the angel of the church, Jesus says in Smyrna, write this, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, yet you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days, and you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I'll give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear 
what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The Word of God. That's shocking, huh? Let me just uh, give... I'm going to try to say some things that our modern and even Christian uh, folks would, would, would think when they hear that. First of all, they're going to say, What? Jesus and God is allowing the devil to throw his children, the church, into prison and, and, and have some of them even die? Brutal deaths for him? And he's not going to intervene? You're going to say, be faithful unto death? How is that caring? How is that a loving God? You see all the cultural things, what people want? See, here's the deal. If I'm committed to my personal comfort, I miss God's heart completely. If I'm committed to my comfort, if I'm narcissistic, and if I've bought the cultural line that we live in here today, that this is it, this is what you've got to have, I will miss God completely. I will miss the better. I will miss the absolute glory that God has for me and for His church. The only way I can understand that this is that God has a greater purpose than my comfort or my safety. A greater purpose for the church in Smyrna. And so let me just take, this is, couldn't be any more applicable. This is what should be read among the, the gathered. And, and I hope you're listening. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll send some links out. But um, boy, uh, uh, it's so beautiful in some ways. You know, you, you hear the tragedy. There's obviously plenty of tragedy going on. Um, but there are um, many. Rick and Colleen spent time. Right, um, and you all had when you were in Kabul. You, 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 uh, there was three of your team, right, or that you fellowship with. They were mowed down by the Taliban while you, while you all were there. Two teenagers in the midst of worshiping the Lord. But um, it's beautiful. I was so encouraged just to hear a, a pastor who still has contact with some of these. And there's, there's it's a small church, but it's powerful. Um, families meeting at homes and say, "What are you going to do?" Right, everybody's out, and, and these all, anybody who's Christian is marked there now. And uh, the Taliban, they're coming in, obviously, with their uh, level of Islam and will cleanse all that out in the process of it. Now they're knocking on doors and everything. And, and uh, I could tell story after story, but one that just it, it had this family, and, uh, and they were just waiting. They knew their names were known. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and the American pastor was saying, how can we pray? What can we do? You know, and they just said, no. Um, we know Jesus is with us. We know he is with us. Does the American church know that? Do we know that Jesus, do we know that God is with us? Is that our priority? Or is it more what he needs to do for us? In, with our agenda, with what we, right, desire. And, um, they're the ones that need to be praying for us. Because what does Jesus say? He commends them. Now this is the heart of God. And he allows them for a certain period of time to go under extreme uh, uh, persecution. Um, now there's so many things here um, to, to talk about. He says, I know your tribulation, I you know your poverty, yet you are rich. Let's start there. Um, 
God's idea of wealth is completely different than ours. God's idea of wealth is completely different than ours. And all through the Gospels, Jesus says, what? Be rich towards God. There's a wealth, a greater thing that God has that transcends anything that we can have. And here's the reality. Every one of us in here is materially rich today. We're the most affluent people to walk on the face of the earth. There's 110 110 billionaires that have homes in Aspen. Think about that. God has a different view of wealth than we do. And until we understand what true riches are, we will live our life focusing on comforts in bondage to those things, consumed by those things, overtaken by time, taking care of those things, in pursuit of those things. And don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with those things. But it's a massive stewardship. To have to dress, boy, what, what is leading me? Are my things leading me? Or is God leading me? What's my real treasure? And why does God bring us into trial? Because he, to refine my faith, needs the, it's the only way to reveal, what's my treasure? What's my real treasure? And this is why Jesus tells the parable for the man, who right? he got everything, sits around, man, I've, I've got my house in Aspen, I've got my house on the beach, I've got this, I've got that, I've got tons of money in the bank account, and man, I'm just, what do I do? I'm going to build some more barns, and I'm going to just fill them up, I'm good. And it says, you fool. Right? Tonight, your soul right, is accountable to God. Tonight, you will die, and you'll give an account right, to the living God. And um, folks, this is Jesus' perspective is, is he saw these people, they had nothing. The church in Afghanistan is just dirt poor. Jesus is saying, but you're rich. That's true riches. Because what you have is you have me and you have the God of the universe, the treasure, and what you have is, is, is the greater things of the kingdom that is coming. Right? The treasure that should reside in my heart. Right? And, and again, this is all through the scripture. How is it that our lens today in America, whether it be all the different groups we're doing, all the different studies, all the different prayers, I mean, where is the, the honing in of to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? To seek first his kingdom... Right is to seek Lord that better that he has for us to partner with him, to understand, to see where his kingdom come, right, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, in this world, and his righteousness, right, to seek that means, Lord, help me breathe the person you've created me to be. It's this internal work and then the good works that he, right, has, has called us to. Much more we could say on that. The slander of those who say they are Jews and are not... Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. And diving in uh, to the book of Revelation. Like I said, we come, we'll be in chapter 2, Revelation verses 8 through 11 um, this morning. We're just looking at this idea, are we ready? Jesus in the New Testament, whether the Olivet Discourse that we begin with in Matthew 24, and then on into the book of Revelation, the overarching things, Jesus says, I've told you these things, church, ahead of time, that you might be ready, that you might be ready. 
And so we need to take seriously this, this idea of being ready. And that's why we're diving in um, to the Word uh, this morning. So, uh, let me just pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, for your Word. Um, Father, I I've just... It's often this way. I have so much um, that I want to say, Lord. Um, but Holy Spirit just asks you to come. And um, we trust you've been here in the midst of our worship. I pray you come now, Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. Let us heed that, Lord, deeply this morning. Um, come. You know where every one of us is at. You know our hearts. You know the deepest intentions of our heart and our mind. Come, Lord, and be with us. Bring conviction. Bring encouragement. Bring insight. Bring joy. Lord, set our hearts on fire. Lord, for your word. And to be with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have one thing I want to to leave you with. Um, There's going to be many, but it's going to be one statement this morning. Um, that I'm going to break down for us this morning. Because if we don't understand this statement, we're not going to understand this letter to the church in Smyrna. And here's the statement. God has a greater purpose in your life, in our life, than our comfort. God has a greater purpose in our life than our comfort. If I do not let that sink in, um, I'm not ready for discipleship. I mean, in fact, I don't even know what discipleship is. If I'm not willing to really wrestle deeply with this, then I'm not going to really even understand who God is and understand the greatness of what He has for me. Um, God has a greater purpose in our life than our comfort. And you might first look at that. So I just want to check our soul because as I looked at that first, we could go two ways. One, we can kind of go, oh. Well, that's a real bummer. Or the other route is, what's the greater stuff? What's the greater stuff? And the bottom line here is that in America, folks, I believe what's happened is that we have got sidetracked on this thing, and we have a uh. And the whole context, and I believe what God is doing in a powerful way today um, in His church, especially here in America, is that he is, is, he's having us readdress this issue. And having us really readdress the issue of why, what is it that we really want and desire. And folks, I, I just throw this simple, and I just what I did to myself uh, this week is, what do you pray about? The things on my prayer list determine how I'm answering that question. Is the majority of stuff I'm praying for others and for myself, is it really tied to my comfort and things in this world? Or is it the greater stuff? What did Jesus simply say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. What is the other things in the context? Food, clothing, all the comforts of the world. Now folks, what I want to to jolt us with and lift us up to the greater things this morning is, is do you realize the greater things 
that God has for you. He saves us into this greater level of not being of the world, right? being in it but not of it, realizing that there's the kingdom of God has been ushered in by Jesus and he desires to keep people to walk in his purposes among his kingdom and uh, for his righteousness, this idea that he wants to do something inside you. He wants to make you become something for all eternity, far beyond what you'd ever, ever imagine. And you might say, wow, man, I'm really struggling. I've got all this mess and all this junk in the past. Regardless, no matter what the mess is, the gospel, the good news, the greater things is God takes those things and he wants to make you all things new. And he wants to radically change. And folks, again, think about this. How much do we focus today on what I'm becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? What's happening inside your core character, in your soul? Where is that discussion today in our culture? You won't get it in the culture. The culture, the world has a clear pattern and pressure of where it's going. Jesus comes to make all things new, to renew us from the inside, to make us like him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know that he has for you glory unto glory? To become like him. One day the scripture says we'll be like him. And where is that? Isn't it more important, ultimately, when we parent our children or anything, isn't it more important to talk about the in, what's going on, on the inside than on the outside? But that's not, isn't That's not how our culture lives. It's not how much of the church lives. How much time we focus on the outside things. Even for our children, the things we talk about, we get excited about our children doing these things on the outside. Wow, what college they're in, or what degree they're doing, or this, or sport they're doing. Hey, all that's just fine and dandy, but what's going on, on the inside? What's happening to their character? Is God alive and well? These are the greater things. Jesus comes and he has abundant life. He offers it. He says, I've come to give, bring life and bring it abundantly. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That means there's a battle. That means there's a war for your soul and your allegiance. The enemy wants you to be absorbed, wants me to be absorbed in, in my comfort, in the things of this world, the things that I want and, and look at and, and need and just get wrapped up. In, and this is hard, isn't it, gang? It's hard to just take the time to get our eyes and thoughts off the stuff of the world. It's hard. And over and over again in the scripture, right? Colossians 3, 1, right? It says, if you've been raised up with Christ, in other words, if you know him, if you know the power of the gospel, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what does he say? Set your mind on the things above, where he's seated at the right hand of God, not on the things on earth. Over and over again. Well, how do you do that? It's hard, isn't it? And um, here's the, the harsh reality. There's only one thing that jolts us out of the comforts of the world. You know what it is? The cross. The cross. Suffering. Suffering. And uh, because God allows suffering of his children... And what we're going to read here about the, his letter to the church of Smyrna is you will not, it, it's going to be shocking, and we're going to break it down, and you will not understand it unless you understand this principle that God has a greater commitment, a greater purpose for his family, for his children, for his church, than our comfort. And I'm going to add another word. He has a greater purpose in our life than our safety. Now, someone, if you've read The Calling of the American Mind, you know that this new terminology is safetyism. We're all about, think about how much time you hear people talking about, oh, it's a safe environment. 
oh, this is safe. This is safe. Corporations spend all their time. We have a safe product. We have safe and safety. Safety. Where do you think it's coming from? From a fear of dying. It, is, it has us affected more than we'd ever realized. God is more concerned about something far greater than your safety. We're going to see this. Far greater. And until we get that, we're not going to understand what the scripture says that there's something worth more than gold that fades away. It's your faith. So Peter says, your faith, our faith, is worth more than all the gold of the world, yet it has to be refined in the fire so that it's shown to be true. Now why does God allow his people to go through trials and pains? To show the reality, the truth of our faith. Suffering and trials reveals real quick the state of faith. It recruits real quick. It reveals who truly follows him and who doesn't. And that's exactly, there's two things. One to refine us. The other one is to show truly who his children are. And um, folks, I'm just going to say it, but right now God is, and I want to talk about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan as well because... I want to just say, and we need to be praying for them, but you know what? They're praying for us. And something I'm going to read here is going to shock you because this letter to Smyrna is really to the church in Afghanistan today. It's about as clear as it can be. We, on the other hand, we're going to get to the church in Laodicea. That's where we're at. And we are the ones that need them to be praying for us. We think, oh my gosh, you're suffering. Oh my gosh, you might lose your life. Oh my gosh. Listen to what Jesus has to say to the church in Smyrna. This is one of two churches of the seven letters that he commends the entire time. He doesn't rebuke them on anything. He shows them dear to his heart. Um, and, and, and before I read it, I just want to say this today. Remember, these seven letters are Jesus' message to his church throughout all time. Seven is the perfect number. It's the complete number. And this is what to get ready as such, we should be listening as every one of these ends with, he who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, plural. Do we have ears to hear what Jesus is saying? These are applicable, they were back then, to the seven legitimate churches. Smyrna is, um, actually this is really cool, Smyrna is just, uh, today it's modern day Izmir, right on the coast in Turkey. Um, It was known as the most beautiful city in Asia. Uh, it's the only, and, and this is, this is w- uh, one of the greatest churches of the seven that suffered the greatest. Now this is interesting. It's the only of the seven where there's an existing church today. I want that to sink in. All right, here we go. The word of God. And to the angel of the church, Jesus says in Smyrna, write this, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, yet you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days, and you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I'll give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. 
the Word of God. That's shocking, huh? Let me just uh, give, I'm going to try to say some things that our modern and even Christian uh, folks would, would, would think when they hear that. First of all, they're going to say, what? Jesus and God is allowing the devil to throw his children, the church, into prison and, and, and have some of them even die? Brutal deaths for him? And he's not going to intervene? You're going to say, be faithful unto death? How is that caring? How is that a loving God? You see all the cultural things, what people want? See, here's the deal. If I'm committed to my personal comfort, I miss God's heart completely. If I'm committed to my comfort, if I'm narcissistic, and if I've bought the cultural line that we live in here today, that this is it. This is what you've got to have. I will miss God completely. I will miss the better. I will miss the absolute glory that God has for me and for his church. The only way I can understand that this is that God has a greater purpose than my comfort or my safety. A greater purpose for the church in Smyrna. And so let me just take, this is, couldn't be any more applicable. This is what should be read among the, the gathered. And, and I hope you're listening. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll send some links out. But um, boy, I, uh, it's so beautiful in some ways. You know, you, you hear the tragedy. There's obviously plenty of tragedy going on. Um, but there are um, many. Rick and Colleen spent time. Right, um, and you all had when you were in Kabul. You, 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 uh, there was three of your team, right, or that you fellowship with. They were mowed down by the Taliban while you, while you all were there. Two teenagers in the midst of worshiping the Lord. But um, it's beautiful. I was so encouraged just to hear a, a pastor who still has contact with some of these. And there's, there's it's a small church, but it's powerful. Um, families meeting at homes and said, "What are you going to do?" Right, everybody's out, and, and these all anybody who's Christian is marked there now. And uh, the Taliban they're coming in, obviously with their uh, level of Islam, and will cleanse all that out. In the process of it, now they're knocking on doors and everything. And and uh, I could tell story after story, but one that just it, it had this family, and uh, and they were just waiting. They knew their names were known, um, and. Uh, <clears throat> And the American pastor was saying, how can we pray? What can we do? You know, and they just said, no, um, we know Jesus is with us. We know he is with us. Does the American church know that? Do we know that Jesus, do we know that God is with us? Is that our priority? Or is it more what he needs to do for us? In, with our agenda, with what we Right, desire. And um, they're the ones that need to be praying for us. Because what does Jesus say? He commends them. Now this is the heart of God. And he allows them for a certain period of time to go under extreme uh, uh, persecution. Um, now there's so many things here um, to, to talk about. It says, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, yet you are rich. Let's start there. <laughs> um, God's idea of wealth is completely different than ours. God's idea of wealth is completely different than ours. 
And all through the Gospels, Jesus says, what? Be rich towards God. There's a wealth, a greater thing that God has that transcends anything that we can have. And here's the reality. Every one of us in here is materially rich today. We're the most affluent people to walk on the face of the earth. There's 110 110 billionaires that have homes in Aspen. Think about that. God has a different view of wealth than we do. And until we understand what true riches are, we will live our life focusing on comforts in bondage to those things, consumed by those things, overtaken by time, taking care of those things, in pursuit of those things. And don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with those things. But it's a massive stewardship. To have to dress, boy, what, what is leading me? Are my things leading me? Or is God leading me? What's my real treasure? And why does God bring us into trial? Because he, to refine my faith, needs the, it's the only way to reveal, what's my treasure? What's my real treasure? And this is why Jesus tells the parable. For the man who, right, he got everything, sits around, man, I've, I've got my house in Aspen, I've got my house on the beach, I've got this, I've got that, I've got tons of money in the bank account, and man, I'm just, what do I do? I'm going to build some more barns, and I'm going to just fill them up. I'm good. And he says, you fool. Right? Tonight, your soul right, is accountable to God. Tonight, you will die, and you'll give an account right, to the living God. And um, folks, this is, Jesus' perspective is, is he saw these people, they had nothing. The church in Afghanistan is just dirt poor. Jesus is saying, but you're rich. That's true riches. Because what you have is you have me and you have the God of the universe, the treasure, and what you have is, is, is the greater things of the kingdom that is coming. Right? The treasure that should reside in my heart. Right? And, and again, this is all through the scripture. How is it that our lens today in America, whether it be all the different groups we're doing, all different studies, all different prayers, I mean, where is the, the honing in of to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? To seek first his kingdom... Right is to seek Lord that better that he has for us to partner with him, to understand, to see where his kingdom come, right, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer in this world, and his righteousness, right, to seek that means, Lord, help me breathe the person you've created me to be. It's this internal work and then the good works that he, right, has, has called us to. Much more we could say on that. The slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, 